All right, and welcome back to another Citizen Scrubs episode. Mm-hmm. Not such a cheerful one. No. Um, so it looks like back in January of this year, we got an email. So I don't want this woman to think we forgot about her. And this is an email from Michelle. And it says, hi, ladies. The other day I was doing a crossword puzzle and a co-worker with a co-worker in Hiroshima and Nagasaki came up. I realized that I know nothing about it. We quickly looked it up and it's shocking how many people died and the after effects it had on their health. We also found this site which she proceeds to give us a site on what the information is. It gives a little of the medical medical aspect of the bombing. Anyway, just wanted to pass that along in case you could use it. Keep up the great work, Michelle. Well, Michelle, mm-hmm. the reason we waited so long is because the bombings happened in August. Yes. So we figured it would be a great way to close out our summer series with this horrible tragedy yes. that happened the first week of August. This terrible, terrible information. Yes. It was, um, I will say it was very interesting and... I'll just get into it later. Um, it was interesting. There's a lot of posturing, but sometimes you think it had to be done. I still am very conflicted. Mm-hmm. You know, if you talk to my mother, who my mother was a child during World War One. Yeah, two, two. <laughs> World War One. She'd be like a thousand years old. She's a thousand years old. So during World War Two, she was born in 1939. So she was a child. But my uncle was in World War Two. It was dragging on. I'll get into a quick timeline of what was going on. But up until today, if you say to my mother, oh, Hiroshima was horrible, she'll be like, well, they bombed Pearl Harbor. Well, they bombed Pearl Harbor. Well, I think 2,200 people died in Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And if you tack on Pearl Harbor and all the people who died in POWs, more people died in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, mm. which I had to actually pull up the numbers and show her because she did not believe me. And oh. her chant will always be, well, they talked us Pearl Harbor. Neither one was correct. Right. But we inflicted... A significant amount of more damage. Yes. Significant. Yeah. So I am going to kind of give us like a history lesson. Okay. Um, and Laura's going to give you the medical lesson. Next episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to just dive right into it because there's a lot of information to cover. Mm-hmm. All right. We can talk all of our bullshit later. All right. So the Truman Library, History.com, Wikipedia, Naval History and Heritage Command is mm-hmm. where most of my information came from mm-hmm. and somewhere else on the internet. All right, picture it, mm-hmm. 1939. Yeah. Hitler, Mussolini, they're plowing their way through Europe. Yep. They have taken over every square inch, except for Russia, of Europe, which mm-hmm. I think Russia's Asia anyway. They are at the seas of the Atlantic. Next stop, United States. Mm-hmm. The U.S. has not entered the war at 1939. And you almost go back to 1938. The Einstein, it's all a lot of weird names, like German names. Mm-hmm. Schillard, Zillard, S-Z, okay. Zillard, okay. letter is written by Leo Zillard and Eugene White, and it's signed by Albert Einstein. Oh. It is delivered to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was president at the time. Mm-hmm. It warns the U.S. of the development of an extremely powerful new bomb, bomb type and it urges the u.s to start stockpiling uranium ore and to accelerate the research of nuclear chain reactions because at this time a couple of scientists have discovered nuclear fission Mm -hmm. part of the reason germany is always lacking behind all of this science is because he hated the jews yes most of these scientists were jewish Mm -hmm. they all immigrated to the united states which is why we we got the bomb first 
kind of backfired for him. Mm-hmm. So um, 1939 kicks off the beginning of the Manhattan Project and a race against time. Mm-hmm. The Manhattan Project is headed by Enrico Fermi and Leo Zillard, who are the two that really kind of were into this whole nuclear fission business. All right. 1941. Mm-hmm. December 7th. Day that will live in infamy. Mm-hmm. Pearl Harvest hit. Yes. Uh, it brings rapidly, instantaneously, the United States enters World War II. Battle cry of every American all over is remember Pearl Harbor. That's how they justified anything. Mm-hmm. You know, bombing of Dresden, which was terrible. All these terrible things. It's war. I'm not yes. judging, but that was the cry. Remember Pearl Harbor. They got us. They got us. So, um... April of 1945. Now, we have been fighting for, what, four years? Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the only president to have done three terms. He also, shockingly, as we just spoke last week, had polio. Yep. So he dies and succumbs to his illness in 1945, April of 1945. This is significant because the entire time the Manhattan Project is going on and all this research is going on, they would approach him with, when we have the bomb, what are you going to do with it? He had no desire to, to drop something like that on people. He just couldn't bring himself to do it. Mm-hmm. So when he dies, the vice president, Harry S. Truman, becomes president. Mm-hmm. This is a game changer in the nuclear war. Mm-hmm. May 7th, 1945, Germany surrenders. The U.S. is still at war with Japan. July 16th, 1945, Alamogondo, New Mexico, the first atomic bomb is successfully detonated mm-hmm. in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it's detonated in the desert this is significant as well. It's flat. Mm-hmm. So you can see the extent of the shock wave. You can see the plume, the mushroom cloud. You can see the damage it causes. Mm-hmm. Two bombs are developed at this time after they've tested it. One is a uranium-based, the little boy, and the plutonium-based, the fat man. Mm-hmm. July 26th, 1945, at the Potsdam Conference in Germany, U.S. delivers an ultimatum to Japan that you're going to surrender under the terms outlined in the Potsdam Declaration. Mm-hmm. This call, now Japan's um, government at the time, there's an emperor. It was the only country left with an emperor. Mm-hmm. The emperor had the final say on everything. And the emperor was also the head of the church. So because he's the head of the church, he could manipulate the mm-hmm. population and he could get kamikazes mm-hmm. and suicides and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. So it caused for the Japanese to form a new democratic and peaceful government or face prompt destruction, Mm -hmm. prompt and utter destruction. This would eliminate the emperor and Japan would was like, no, you're not getting rid of the emperor. That's not going to happen. So they're just not surrendering. July 26th, 1945, the USS Indianapolis delivers the bomb to Tinian in Japan or Philippines or wherever they were. It had to be Philippines. It had to be the Philippines. Because they weren't in Japan yet. And if you listen, we did a couple, I think at the beginning of the summer, we did the Indianapolis. I wanted to do them back to back, but I think there was a reason we did it in July. Probably, I don't know, but we did it. And it's a horrible story. But Memorial Day, did we do it? We Memorial did it for Memorial Day. Day. That's exactly what we did it. Okay. So I, I reiterate that they had an emperor. He's the head of the church and state, the suicide bombers. Okay. So under him, mm-hmm. so you got the emperor, then under him, you got a bunch of prime ministers and they're all like royal families also. And they're, they're just controlling everything. So no, they, the people are going to blindly follow whatever these people tell them to do. Yeah. So the, the Japanese are doing literally whatever they, whether they want to be at war, they didn't, it didn't matter. 
So they're doing what they're told. So under the emperor is the prime minister Suzuki Kanataro, who was part of the ruling elite. They have lived their way of life and had no intentions of accepting the plans of the Potsdam Conference. Mm-hmm. They instead continue with preparations for a full-scale invasion of Japan. Mm-hmm. Now, I had, let me see, I had like three uncles in World War II. One of them had been in the Marines, and he was in the Pacific. Which, when you listen to the fighting in the Pacific versus the fighting in Germany, it seemed, I'm not saying it was, it just seems more vicious, mm-hmm. what was going on over there. I just, the jungles and the way they were fighting, and the Japanese just fight differently yeah. than the Germans fought. So he was one of the Marines that was on the boats for this invasion, which I'll get into. And he was like, I wasn't coming back. I knew if mm-hmm. we went, we weren't coming back. They had predicted ridiculous amount of deaths. And you can see pictures and boats of men just yeah. getting ready to go. So um, what they were hoping is when Russia entered the war, which I think they entered the war at the end of the war, that they would negotiate with them and allow them to keep their way of life. Mm-hmm. Which, if anybody knows anything about Stalin, you couldn't trust anything Stalin said. Mm-hmm. He did, you know, he made a deal with Hitler and he fucked them over and they made a deal with us and he fucked us over and he mm-hmm. fucked his own people over. Mm-hmm. So the Allied forces and Japan were preparing for a full-scale invasion of Japan. Throughout July, there had been never-ending air raids on Japanese cities. Um, just bombing, bombing. And mm-hmm. at the time... They're all wooden rice paper houses. Mm -hmm. So they were destroying entire cities. Um, And thousands of people are dying. Over the centuries, many had attempted to invade Japan. And most failed due to the fact that Japan has horrible typhoons. Yeah. Horrible, horrible typhoons. So it seems like every time somebody goes into fight in uh, in Japan, a typhoon would hit and wipe out half their armies. And... The Japanese will fight to the death. Mm -hmm. They don't value life the same way Americans do or Europeans do. They will kill themselves to take out as many as possible. Mm -hmm. So the invasion is called Operation Olympic Game. And it was set for, shockingly again, isn't D-Day? Nope, that's not November, that was June. It's shocked for um, November 1st, 1945. When you look at history and you go back, a typhoon hit big time on that day. So it's a good thing. Yeah. The invasion didn't happen. So it's summertime, 1945. Japan has 4 million men. Half are stuck in China and Manchuria due to the United States submarines, mm-hmm. which my son's going to be on, mm-hmm. naval blockade keeping them in China. And the U.S. is planning this massive invasion. The invasion would start on the island of Kyoshu. The Japanese knew that's the only place they could invade. And they knew, like, they knew the plan before we even really had the plan. Yeah. And the goal of the Japanese, they didn't ever plan to win. They just wanted to demoralize the United States mm-hmm. as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So their goal was um, to destroy as many Americans as possible before they surrendered. Mm-hmm. They figured if they demoralized the United States, that all we would want was to surrender at any cost. They, they would give them whatever they wanted right. just to surrender. They wanted to break the will of the American people so the negotiations negotiations would end up they didn't want us occupying japan Mm -hmm. which is exactly what happened uh the defense plan had three basic principles of how to defeat the united states one um god my writing my writing what did i write positions should be construction constructed 
beyond the effective range of enemy naval bombardment. So what the Navy usually does, the first thing they do is they pull up with their big fucking battleships and they bomb the shit out of the beaches. And they had watched what happened at Normandy and they were preparing for that kind of an invasion. So mm-hmm. they wanted to make sure that wherever you dug in was out of the guns ranges. Mm-hmm. Number two, cave type positions should be constructed for protection against air raids and naval bombardment. Mm-hmm. And number three, inaccessibly high ground should be selected as protection against flamethrowing tanks. And if you see um, any footage from Iwo Jima, that was another big battle the Marines had. The beaches, because it's like Hawaii, their beaches are yeah, sheer right cliffs because of the waves. So trying to even, it's not like Normandy, mm-hmm. trying to storm these beaches, almost impossible. The harbor was lined with submarines and some subs, they carried little tiny subs, man subbed, that was suicide subs. So two or four men would be in these subs, they'd launch them, they'd paddle over to these boats and blow themselves up. Like, how do you, how do you fight this? I don't know. Uh, they also plan to use all of their destroyer ships as suicide ships <gasps> on the U.S. amphibian amphibious vehicles. So when the military is invading, and you've seen it a lot, they have, um, in fact, Mike's father was on a ship that would have these. They have these big amphibious, almost like duck boats. Mm-hmm. That's what duck boats actually yeah, were. And they would launch them into the water full of troops. They'd land them on the beach. Mm-hmm. So these destroyer ships that they knew were no good anymore, they would load the bows with a ton of explosives and run into these things that's this was their plan they hadn't done it they were going to explode all of these and kill as many as they could they had over three thousand small suicide boats my god they had suicide frogmen what's a suicide frogman i don't know that i want to know that's somebody who puts on scuba gear (gasps) lines himself full of bombs swims to the top as close to these amphibious vehicles as they can and blows themselves oh my god um there was four thousand of them Japan was preparing for the fight of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it was predicted that there would be about a million soldiers dead on both sides. Oh, my God. So this is what's brought to Truman. Here's the plan. Right. This is the prediction of how many men are going to die. And we don't even know we're going to be successful because they've got underground tunnel systems. They're trenched in. And Truman's like, fuck. All right. So he has to decide, is this going to be the end of the war with the bombs? Or are we going to fight? What kind of destruction are we going to mm-hmm. have? Blah, 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 blah. So he decides, all right, um, let me see. He's aware that the Japanese people were fighting for the emperor, mm-hmm. who was convinced that it was better to die than surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd see them commit Harry Carry and yeah. all this other shit. Women and children are also being trained with any weapons they can on how they're going to kill. Kamikaze pilots are using planes as suicide missiles. Millions of men would die in the invasion, and Truman believed that in the, in the long run, less people would die from the Mm A-bombs than from this invasion in Mm -hmm. Japan, which in the long run, he was correct. So throughout the spring, um, potential cities for the bombs are being investigated. If the city was a potential target, no air raids were put on the city because they want the most damage done possible, which Mm. that disturbed me. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That disturbed me a little bit. Hiroshima is the number one target because of the way it's built. Mm -hmm. It is built like the desert. So Hiroshima is flat. Mm -hmm. They knew that the bomb would explode and cause maximum damage. And that's because they also know Russia's watching Mm -hmm. and England's watching. Everybody's going to be watching and they want to flex and show the power the United States has. All right. So Hiroshima's number one target. Um, It had never been subjected to an air raid in the past. 
It had military forces and factories. It was flat, so the devastation would make it ideal to show the destructive power of the bomb. It was highly populated. Great for gathering statistics on the damage that the bomb mm. would cause. Again, another disturbing fact. Um, it also did not have a POW camp in it. Uh, another city was Kokura. That was on the list. Page flipped. It was number two, but on the day that they were looking to go after it, it was cloud covered. So Nagasaki is the other city that they decide to use. Mm-hmm. It's on the list because the Mitsubishi shipyard is there. Mm-hmm. And that was making all of their destroys, all their planes. But it did have a POW camp there. I think it was very hard to find. And I, I'm sure the Japanese strategically did that. Placed them everywhere, right. yeah. Tokyo was not chosen. Why would you think they didn't choose Tokyo? Never thought this. I don't know. It would have killed their entire political structure so nobody could have surrendered. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess that's right. Um, I mean, sure. someone probably would have stood up and done right. it but. so now it is August 6th 1945 the US bomber Enola Gay was loaded up with little boy the uranium based bomb mm-hmm. these bombs weigh like 10,000 pounds they're ridiculously oh. heavy like I don't know how the plane could carry up 10,000 right. pounds right. nothing um, else was in it and they, they get into the captains and everything I, I just didn't think that was relevant so if you really want to know that Michelle you can go look the captains names <laughs> up yourselves okay at 8.15, it's dropped on the city of Hiroshima. They didn't put the bomb together on the ground because they were afraid it would explode in flight. So as they're driving, driving, flying, flying over to Hiroshima, they're putting the pieces no. together to detonate this bomb. Yeah. I mean, could you no. fucking imagine? No. Okay? No. So it's made active while in flight. It falls for 44.4 seconds and it detonates at a height of 1968 feet above Hiroshima. They are meant to detonate in the high. Mm -hmm. To give you an idea of 1968 feet, the Freedom Tower in New York is 1776 feet. So it's really fucking high. It's pretty high when it detonates. The initial blast killed 64,000 and injured 69,000. 20,000 of those were Imperial Japanese Army. The blast is a result of X-ray heat, and it sends shock waves in all directions. Mm-hmm. Almost everything in the mile, ra- mile radius at the point of explosion is completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. The Hiroshima fireball was 1,200 feet in diameter, Jesus and surfaced temp. So when it dropped and exploded, the temp at the center, mm-hmm. 10,830 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my God! Which is as hot as the surface of the sun. Yeah. So it is so hot that if you were near ground zero, A, anything near ground zero spontaneously combusted mm-hmm. from the heat. And people disintegrated. Mm-hmm. And there's a very famous part of Hiroshima where there is a shadow left. The man was incinerated and his shadow was burnt into the ground. Mm-hmm. That's how fucking hot yeah. this bomb was. And Japan, Japan's like, fuck you, we're not surrendering. Mm-hmm. And the United States is like, what the fuck are we going to do? So, August 9th, 1945, a B-29 bomber, the boxcar, it leaves from Tinian, and it's going to drop the plutonium bomb, Fat Man, on Nagasaki. Fat Man was actually a more explosive bomb than Hiroshima, but it does less damage because of the way Nagasaki was built. So, it drops the bomb at 11.02 in the morning. The bomb was more powerful than the one dropped in Hiroshima, and it fell for 43 seconds, and it exploded at 1,650 feet. 
Instantly, 35,000 to 40,000 people are immediately killed. That rose to 60 to 80,000 in the following days. They were mostly, um, the people killed were munitions and industrial workers. That bomb, I think, exploded higher than they wanted to. And Nagasaki was in mountains. Mm -hmm. So when it exploded, the mountains took more of the shockwave than the city. And they really wanted it to spread out. August 15th, 1945. Japan finally decides, all right, we've had enough. Their Their emperor, Hirohito, who was, this is the first time that his people had ever heard his voice. He did a radio announcement and they had never heard his voice. Most of them had never seen him, nothing. He announces that Japan has surrendered over the radio. Um, He delivered it in a formal speech in Florida, Japanese. September 2nd, 1945, on the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay, the official surrender of Japan was signed at 9.04 a.m. Part of the terms were that, flip, there would be a Shinto directive separating their church and state. So you'll no longer, not that they wouldn't do it again. I don't know. We haven't been at war with them again. Mm -hmm. But you're hoping to eliminate kamikaze and suicides and Mm -hmm. all that, which we deal with on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, They would have a parliamental system of government. The emperor would be purely ceremonial and guarantee certain rights to Japanese people. They do still have an emperor today. And he's like the Queen of England. He just he's the only person left in the world with the title Emperor. And he is there for ceremonial purposes. Um they went into him. He still gives radio speeches and stuff. It's like the longest running dynasty or something like that. Yeah. My father, my grandfather was a war crimes lawyer in the army. Mm-hmm. In nineteen forty five, at seven, my father and his family moved to Japan. Mm-hmm. And he, it's like fucking decimated after the war they hated americans fucking hated americans so he's like i would get on the train and you he goes these trains they have professional people pushing you onto the train to pack them Mm -hmm. he goes you'd have a circle around you they didn't want anything they wouldn't come within 10 feet of you my grandfather actually my grandparents lived there until i think the 70s they stayed there he just stayed practicing law there he loved it had a great time my father came back went to the marines he was like i'm done but i can't imagine being an American and growing up in post-war Japan, right in 1945, right, it must have been a blast. And it's probably it's probably the same as Japanese people here. Yes, post-war. Yes, you know, like he probably yes. lived the same. Kind I mean, of- but the Japanese people here, they were put in internment camps. No, I'm, sa- yeah. I'm not saying it's the same. They were obviously free right. and he had a job, but I'm that hatred he oh, felt yeah. is probably the Absolutely. hatred those people felt here. Absolutely, yeah. but he could speak fluent Japanese in no time. Yeah. And we have a ton of Japanese shit around the house. That's nice. God bless. Yeah. He has. The videos of all of the generals in Hirohito and all those people on trial. It's all oh. in Japanese, so I can't understand a goddamn more of the same. But he's got all of these people. I'm like, it's pretty impressive, but really boring to watch. Yeah. Okay, so we're stopping here on this episode because um, it's just you want to talk about the history and then talk about the medical. And Laura's medical is intense. So we don't want to like stop it halfway and then make you wait two weeks. So we're going to stop it here. And we're going to read a couple of emails that came in. Because yeah. nothing's better than bringing in a lighthearted information right in the middle of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So just picture, we just gave you Hiroshima. This is the three-day wait. Nagasaki's coming in two weeks. Um, do you want to read the first one? All right, sure. Okay. I'll, go, I'll go first. All right. This email's from Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Uh, hi, Andrew. Um, I was going to put the subject header as Wicked Pissa, but I didn't know <laughs> if it would come through. The summatives portion of your 
of your podcasts are awesome. It actually is somewhat sad to hear people losing their lives to mistakes. Yes, yes, it is. it is. What did he say the first part was? The what? The summer tips? Yeah. Okay. Um, he says, I was a paramedic in a past life and I'm still volunteer EMS. Um, since the late 80s, when I was a paramedic until now, I've definitely seen my share of crap. It has been absolutely disheartening, sometimes gross, sometimes hysterical, but always rewarding. I bet. Oh, That's I bet. Yeah. Third, almost 40 years of doing mm-hmm. this stuff. There is one summer danger that you may want to cover, and that is surf casting. Oh. You know what surf casting is? I know what it is only because the town I live in, um, when you walk the beach, there's a jet out. Mm-hmm. And at night, all of like the, there's a whole bunch of people out there fishing for striped bass. Mm-hmm. And I always say to Brian, I'm, I don't like walking there. And I'm always like waiting to see who's getting ready yeah. to like so it's when you take the fishing rod and you know you throw back and you launch your rod right and it's got a nice big hook on i said one of these days we're gonna get a fucking hook to the eye or a yeah. lip i i wish they would just i hate it i'm yeah. terrified going I, by it these makes me fucking people but they're standing there whipping the lines back and forth right. over land where yeah, people are where people are walking right um all right so well how how can surf casting be dangerous you might ask <laughs> well it is not dangerous to, to the surf caster. However, if somebody were to get it caught up in the hook after being cast, it can be dangerous. Case in point. Last summer, I was at a beach, a local beach, on a weekday. There was always a guy doing surf casting for whatever is running, whether it's stripers, whether it's mackerel, or even bluefish. He always takes caution before he casts. I give, him, I give that to him. However, one time a woman was walking in his blind spot as he was flinging his arm back to Ooh. cast out. Well... The hook, which was ready for a striper, caught on her bikini top. You might think, so what? The bikini comes off and people get a free show. However, not only did it hook the bikini, but it dug into her breast. Oh. And tore a pot off. How do I know this? Because the lifeguards had their thumbs up their asses. And I was the one smart enough to put military-grade blood stop powder and use direct pressure, as well as put the flesh that was removed on ice. Stop for a second. Okay. Where did he get... The military blood stop powder. Please tell me he's not well, sitting he's on the paramedic. beach. he's a paramedic. Yes, but wasn't he just hanging out at the beach? Um, like, Andrew, you keeping the shit on you? That's kind of weird. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go with the lifeguards had it and didn't know what to do with it. Okay, let's yes, just go with that. Go okay, with go ahead. I don't I don't know that he had it just on I'm his hoping. Person. Well, I met him. I used to be an EMT. And what Sometimes, some of them had in yeah. their cars was a little scary. Um, And he took the flesh that was removed and put it on ice. In any event... This is definitely not meant to be funny, but just something else that you might want to put in your podcast. Could you fucking imagine? And he said, keep up the great work and don't forget the PBR tolls at the Packy. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank that you, Andrew. Appreciate it. Horrifying. Oh, you know, I'm telling you, I'm always like, oh, Brian, I think we should walk another way. I don't, I'm going to get one to the, I'm more worried about it in my eye or in my, I, uh, might, I would might rather it there than. Because it's Bob. Once it's in, uh, I mean, they're going to rip out. Off. Yes. Yeah. They're oh. going to rip. Oh, like I must have shit when he's like, oh, what did I just. Oh my God. No, the point. He must have died. Oh, all right. This is from Jesse. Hello, my lovelies. Hi. I finally caught up and heard your plea for anyone to reach out and say hi. So hi. Hi. Hi, Jess. Hope you two are doing well and not having too brutal of a summer. Um, I feel like I live in Arizona. It's hot as balls here in Vegas. And honestly, it's hot as balls here, too. Yes. I'm freaking over it. You know what is also, you know what, you know what it also is? Fucking humid and rainy and sticky. 
the rainy is nice. We definitely need it. But the humidity that proceeds and follows is for the birds. Well, we haven't even had the fucking rain. No, we've had like zero yeah. rain. Everybody's, we look like we live in Vegas. Yeah. The grass is burnt. Everything's burnt. I'm just going to put sand down for next Of all year. years to have put sod down, I pick the year Ew, we have no fucking really rain. really not a good one. Mm-hmm. Brian's out there constantly. Uh, this weather also brings flooding, mm. which out there because it's so desert. Yeah. Yep. Why does flooding bring? Idiots. <laughs> it brings the idiots out in droves. It's like these people lose whatever three damn brain cells they have left when the weather falls from the sky. They forget how to drive. They forget how to dress. They forget their own damn cars are not boats. I believe <laughs> yep. you 100%. We got a dump of two, it, two-ish inches in about 30 minutes the other day, and I shit you not, 15 to 20 cars stuck in flooded intersections. Three or four, I understand, but 20? Why would you continue to thri- drive through it if you see people floating by? People they make no sense. I can totally like people are idiots. I people know, but are fucking idiots. I've seen people do that, like go into Wicked Deep Puddle in their car stalls, and another person comes right behind them, goes right behind them. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, Why is your car better than they clear? Like you can see. Right. Anyway, I adore you both. You seemed rather lonely, so figured I'd drop <laughs> you a line and say howdy and congrats on being TikTok famous. Oh. Pray for me and the influx of the morons, Jess. Oh, I pray for you, Good and luck, thank Jeff. you for listening, and thank you for writing our TikTok famous. Just huge. Oh, God. Um, what was I gonna? I was just watching a TikTok. Speaking of it, and these people got stuck in the rain on the highway in the car next to I don't know if it was the Marine Corps Silent Drill Team. I don't know who they were. Literally, like eight Marines in dress blues get out. God bless them. They're oh. in thigh high water. Oh. Pushed their car. Out of the rain, and she's filming. She's like, the Marines came to rescue. I'm like, Jesus Christ, why did that happen? To me I know what I was kind younger? of luck did you I have? Never have gotten that. No. I'd have, I had my car flood. No fucking Marines helped no, me come out. I was throwing down. my cans out to save my life. Nothing, <laughs> nothing. I had a couple of nice kids who helped me in college, but no Marines. I would have liked the Marines to come out. It would have been nice. All right. Um, and then we have this message on Facebook from Emmett. He says, "Hi, just started listening to your podcast. Whale Tales was the first one I heard, and holy shit show." I drove home after a graveyard. I'm a crane and heavy equipment operator in and around Boston. Shout out to IO, IUOE Local 4. Oh, go Local 4. Mm-hmm. Um, he was driving home from a graveyard shift and immediately went home and watched Blackfish on Prime. Oh watch my God. it. It's sad. It's awful. I, we shouldn't have talked about that because I did finally watch that. I know, it's terrible, but it's... You just can't help it. Um, I've had a lot of nurses and other medical industry employees in my family. I've heard many horror stories, but your podcast is a fresh new take. And I think I'm addicted. LOL. (laughs) Love hearing the local accent, too. Yeah. Um, That's the way we really talk. Wouldn't be a proper message without busting some chops. So here's my only gripe. (laughs) Here it comes. Here it comes. I just wish... You'd bring the sound up on your end when you record audio. I turn my truck volume all the way up and still can't make out some of what you say and blow my eardrums out when I switch back to WBZ. <laughs> I do this. Well, you could have heard us in WBZ. Yeah. Well, if you listen to WBZ, you would have heard us. Yeah. Um, keep up the great work, Nicole and Lara, and not to be forgotten, Mike. Wow. Mike! Um, looking forward to enjoying many more of your podcasts, hopefully at a better sound level. All the best, and thank you for what you do in the hospitals and on the airwaves. All right, Emmett A., we try. We've tried every trick. I am literally, okay, I'm going to say, I'm deep throating the mic right oh, now God. and it still isn't loud enough. All right. I can't even hear myself and I get aggravated. I got everything. I don't know why. It just is what it is. We've tried. So I, we're doing our best. <laughs> but I love that you guys are all listening. Get the rest of your local boys to listen. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if he digs deep, 
there's some stories from the the work oh, sites yeah. that we we should probably do fucking the work site accidents. Shit, yeah. Yes, I mean there's been quite a few in Boston recently. Recently, um, and I want to get back to the EMT guy, Andrew. Oh, we will take EMT stories all day long because yeah. you all have a ton of them. I know it. Yeah, horror so, stories. Yeah, you know, you know, so have your friends write in or whatever. I mean, you've got to have some good stories. Yeah, um, we love hearing our emails. We got a couple. We got one from somebody we used to work with, who we adore. Adore. Like. I love this guy. I went to a Jimmy Buffett concert. He was there. I was like, oh my God, what's up? How are you doing? He was just always so, he was just always so nice when he came down. He's pleasant. Hi, Laura. How are you? Every time he saw you, even if you didn't see him for months, hi, Laura. How are you? You know, this sounds weird when you're not doing, when somebody knows your name in our job, Mm -hmm. it means a lot because you took the time to remember it. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times you work with somebody, like some of these doctors and stuff. They don't remember your name because no. they don't really care. He always, always. remembered your mm-hmm. name. And he was sweet and pleasant and yep. wonderful. And I good didn't even know he had left. I did And know. I'm even more yeah. devastated yeah. now that I know he left. Yeah. So um, we love you. And it was very nice to hear from you. And um, if you come back up, we should get you a drink too. Yes. So we did have a couple of email, other emails come in, but we didn't want to bore you too much. Yeah. Um, we, we got a ton of emails with suggestions about the podcast. Some of them were, were stuff we just couldn't really cover. Uh, we appreciate the um, the write-ins, but some of them we were like, eh, I don't know if we could cover that because it's just either already covered it or it was something that really wouldn't fit into the podcast. Mm-hmm. But we will still take suggestions because, like I said, uh, the Hiroshima Nagasaki episode somebody started and gave us, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a good idea. And yeah. just listening to Emmett, yeah. We should cover worksite yeah. injuries. Oh, and then did you guys see this brings us back to another old episode. Did you see how they made the movie about the um five days in I heard they were making one, but I didn't see it. Out. Five days in memorial. Five days at memorial. On what? Oh shit. So Apple, that was our... Apple TV, I think. Oh, I don't get Apple TV. That's our Katrina episode. Yes. So if you if you're interested in that or saw that at, um We cover the ads book. for that. We cover that story. It's it was really good. I really like that um, episode. But definitely listen and then yeah. watch the movie. Well, don't watch the movies Laura recommends because Blackfish was so disturbing. I had to take a sleep until I go to bed. I, and it was about orca whales. And I was devastated. It was? I literally was, was texting you and I'm like, Laura, I, I don't know if I can watch this. <laughs> She's like, you literally watched the video of a 14-year-old boy being ejected from a ride. I'm like, but that's different. These orcas didn't actually be captured. Well, he didn't <laughs> like, actually He got on the, the ride. ride. He designed a good... <sighs> I was... It was horrible it was. it was horrible i know but it's really good it was excellent yeah but i'm so glad i never went to sea world i am so glad i never went to sea world those fuckers that's all i can say about sea i mean, i enjoyed it well, Lion I, was it was ter- I mean i feel terrible now but it was good and lenny watch it with katie please thank you <laughs> it was devastating devastating yeah. to watch brian watched it with me he's like this is really disturbing I'm like yes i know yeah. i know all right so part two Welcome back to Scissors and Scrubs Part 2. Part 2. Hiroshima Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. Laura's uh, going to take this one away. This will be her episode where she talks about all of our medical issues with um, the, atomic the atomic bomb that has just recently exploded mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the last episode over yep. the cities. Um, so I got this information from k1project.columbia.edu, newsweek.com, atomicheritage.org, Wikipedia, health.com, and history101.com. History101? Yes. Okay. This 
like yours is a story. This is not a story. <laughs> well, because yours is just it's medical facts. Yes. Yeah. So it may be a little dry, but bear with. But then I have stories of like nine survivors. Oh wow! Like they're just little clips, but yeah. they're interesting. I'll do that at the end. Um, <laughs> we don't so, want to hear about the survivors now. Right. So it's really hard to get exact numbers of casualties for many different reasons. Some just incinerated where they stood. <laughs> yeah. And the records weren't that great then, like how what the right. population was. The census hadn't been sent in yet. The government buildings were, were completely decimated. decimated. So any information they did have on census was lost. And, you know, a gazillion people died. So they can't even tell you, oh, yeah, my sister, my aunt, my cousin. Like, People were incinerated on the spot, mm-hmm. so you don't even know what bodies they were. So it's really hard to have exact numbers. Um, the there's me, there's a ton of different places that did research on all of this stuff. Um, the Manhattan Engineer Districts was a place that did information of the Manhattan about the Manhattan Project. They tried to get any kind of numbers, and mm-hmm. you know how you said like they want to know what happened, they want to know the numbers, they wanted to do it there so they it could was, see. I mean, it needed to be done to stop it, but it was like an experiment. It was an experiment. Let's see what this is right. going to do to the human race. Right. Um, so these are this the Manhattan Engineers District's best abil- available figures are in Hiroshima. The pre-raid population was about two hundred and fifty-five thousand people. The dead, sixty-six thousand. Injured, sixty-nine thousand. So total casualties in Hiroshima from the bomb was one hundred thirty-five thousand people. That's a lot of fucking people. Yes. In Nagasaki, the pre-raid population was 195,000. The dead, 39,000. Injured, 25,000. Total casualties, 64,000 there. So about 200,000 casualties in total. Um, The relation of the casualties to the distance from X. I'm going to say that a lot. Distance from X. Distance from where the bomb. the, The epicenter. Yes, the epicenter of the bomb is X. So the relation of the total casualties to the epicenter of the bomb in Nagasaki from zero to 1,640 feet from X, 7,505 were killed, 960 were injured, 1,127 are missing. Um, That's a lot of missing people. Right, because they they just incinerated. Um, Total casualties, 9,592. Killed per square mile, 24,700. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, also in Nagasaki, 1,640 feet to 3,300 feet. The people killed, 3,688. Injured, 1,478. Missing, 1,799. Total casualty lost there, 6,965. Killed per square mile, 4,040. Um, 3,300 feet to 4,900 feet. Killed, 8,678. Injured, 17,137. Missing, 3,597. Total casualties, 29,412. So is that... I'm getting my... As you're going further out. It's getting less. It 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 does. It it gets bigger and then it gets... Yeah. It's getting more. Yeah. Okay. Um, it it got... It gets bigger at one point. Because then you get the shockwave coming out and... Um, from 4,900 feet to 6,550 feet. Um, 212 killed, injured, 11,958, missing 28, total casualties, 12,207. 
Um, and then from 6,550 feet to 9,850 feet, 112 killed, injured 9,460, missing 17, total casualties 9,589. That's wow. at almost 10,000 feet away from that. Which is pretty far away. Yeah. Um, the mortality rate based on the distance in feet from X. So mm-hmm. this, in the epicenter. This is the mortality rate. Zero to 1,000 feet away from the epicenter, 93% mortality rate. So nobody really lived. No. 1,000 to 2,000 feet, 92% mortality rate. 2,000 to 3,000 feet, 86% mortality rate. 3,000 to 4,000, 69% mortality rate. You're still over half of people are dying. Yep. Um, 4,000 to 5,000 feet, just it's 49%. So now you're getting under half of the people dying. Um, 5,000 to 6,000 feet, 31.5%. 6,000 to 7,000 feet, 12.5%. There's a huge drop in that. Seven to 8,000 feet, 1.3%. 8,000 to 9,000 feet, 0.5%. So basically what you're saying is when the next bomb gets dropped, I want to be over 9,000 feet away. Yeah. Nine to 10,000, 0% mortality rate. That's interesting. So you're you're good if you're... About 10,000 feet away. About 10,000 feet away. How much is that in miles? Do we know? I don't know. You don't have to look Google it up. this. I can look it up. While How many reading. feet are in a mile? All right, you can listen to me say. It. How many feet are in a mile? It's five thousand two hundred and eighty feet. So if you're two, two miles, miles away, it be two miles away. Holy if you're within shit. two miles, it's not good. If you're in a mile, that's, you're done. That's a significant dip- What's, distance. What was five thousand? I mean, Charlestown. It was forty. It was is a mile wide. Forty nine percent. Mortality rate within a mile. I mean, at it, the mile. Like, think of Manhattan. Manhattan is not that wide. It's yeah. less than a mile. So, if you dropped a bomb in the middle of Manhattan, you're going to decimate the entire island of yeah. Manhattan. Everybody's dead. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, not good. Um, the causes of the immediate death, other than the people just being completely incinerated, that we have no idea how, you know. Mm-hmm. Where they went, what their bodies looked like, nothing, because they were gone. And gone. The shadows were left. Um, but other than that, the bodies they did see. Hiroshima um, burns were 60% of the immediate cause of death. Falling debris was 30% of the immediate cause of death. And 10% is other. Like any mm-hmm. any other reason why they died. In Nagasaki, burns were 95% of the co- immediate cause of death. Falling debris was 9%. I also don't understand these percentage rates. Flying glass was 7% and then other was 7%. Yeah. So, um, but burns in Nagasaki especially. Well, it's the heat of the sun. Yeah. Um, injuries to people from the atomic bomb explosions were one of usual four things. Burns. Um, there's flash, radiation, heat, and then fires also started by the explosions. Two were mechanical injuries. Like building collapses, flying debris, you mm-hmm. die from that stuff. Three was direct effects of the blast or compression from the blast. Or shock waves. And four were radiation injuries. So I'll get into all these. Um, the greatest number of casualties resulted from more than one type of injury. So you were burned and you had debris. And yeah. yeah, everything else. Um, but greater parts of the casualties resulted from burns and mechanical injuries. The greatest single factor for the occurrence of casualties was the distance a person was from the center of the explosion. <coughs> we were really mattered. Com- really mattered. Um, based on a study performed of 900 patients there, 
Total casualties occurred as far as 14,000 feet at Nagasaki and 12,000 at Hiroshima. So even though Nagasaki didn't go as planned or it didn't drop where they wanted it to, it reached further than the one in Hiroshima. Where did they take them? So I'll get into that. All right. Because um, so like, think about it. The entire city's fucking yeah. gone. Um, burns were experienced the farthest from X. And mechanical injuries were seen further than radiation injuries. So it was radiation injuries were closest, then mechanical injuries, then burns were experienced the mm-hmm. furthest out from X. Findings show that no person was injured by radioactivity who was not exposed to the actual explosion of the bombs. So people thought if you went there after that you were to just... help clean it up, that you were going to get sick from radio. You were not. The only people that got radiation injuries were, the were there who... when the bomb went off. I did hear, and I don't know if you talk about this, they said, um, it might have been with the Nagasaki one because it burst higher. A lot of the radiation went up in the air, but it caused black rain. So it brought it all back down on the people. So it, the, the bomb didn't get you. The fucking black rain right. did. Right. <laughs> and yeah, the, uh, one of the stories that talks about that. Okay. Um, mechanical injuries include fractures, lacerations, contusions, abrasions, other injuries expected from falling roofs, falling buildings, Buildings concrete walls collapsing down on you, um, flying debris, flying glass, like anything you would get in a car accident or, you Mm -hmm. know, if a, if a building collapsed here, any of those injuries is what you're going to get. Yep. Yep. Um, at Hiroshima, patients with these injuries were less than 10,000 feet from X. And in Nagasaki, they were as far as 12,200 feet from X. Nagasaki was the... It um, was the bigger bomb. It was the bigger bomb. So it did... It more caused damage. more damage. Um, there's less people there, so there's less injured, but it caused mm-hmm. wider Bother. damage. Yeah. Um, the huge drag wind the bombs created, it, obviously it displaces all this air, right? So there's huge drag winds attributed to those injuries, like all these mechanical injuries, because... Uh, like a part of a prison was, you know, it's a concrete wall. This wall went as high as 30 feet up in the air and 80 feet away from where it originally was. So you're standing 80 feet away from this prison and this prison wall comes and kills you <laughs> from 30 feet up in the air. Yeah. Like it's insane. Yeah. These injuries you can get. Um, Then there's blast injuries. The This was surprising because I thought, I think I've heard stories about this, but I guess it's not, they're not as true as, some of the stories you've heard aren't true. So there's blast injuries and that pressures on the ground from the blast, you know, you get shock mm-hmm. waves. They were not strong enough to kill anyone except for people within a few hundred feet of the center of the bomb. Could you imagine being the poor fucker who's right under it? Yeah, but you know what? You're just gone. Yeah. You was, know what I mean? Like you didn't, you didn't even know what was coming. You didn't know what was coming. You didn't suffer. Um, so the shock waves weren't as strong as there was all these stories of, it wasn't, they said it wouldn't have been just that that killed you. Something right. else had, you right. got a radi, you got a burn, you got a something, but it wasn't just the shockwave. Um, very few ruptured eardrums were seen. You would think in a huge blast like yeah. that, that's, you know, everybody's ears would be popped out. Nope. The Japanese had reported immediate effects of the blast pressure, like people with ruptured abdomens and their intestines are hanging out. This was like the reports. Yeah. Um, eyeballs hanging out of your face from the blast and from the pressure. However, studies found that the blast alone probably didn't create those injuries that were seen. And they weren't like hundreds of people walking around with these injuries. Like, with their You wouldn't guts be walking around up. with those injuries anyway. Right. Well, that's what the stories were. Yeah. These people, you know, their eyes are just hanging out of their face. The bodies they found and the people who survived, there weren't that many injuries like that. Um, 
obviously burns is another severe injury we get from these. Um, there's two types. There's fire burn, which is a regular. If you were in a house mm-hmm. fire, you would have a fire burn. And then there's flash burn. Like I said, fire burns are the ones we all know. Mm-hmm. You come in contact with actual fire and you catch on fire and you have a burn. Terrible, awful. You can die from them. Um, and the explosion started many fires. Like, because, mm-hmm. you know, once you have everything combusted under everything, combust- everything went on flames. The lines go on. Everything catches on fire. Wooden paper, paper houses. Yep. Um, and so people had severe, terrible burns that way. Then there's flash burns. And flash burns are injuries caused by intense flashes of light, high voltage electric current, or strong thermal radiation. So they saw a ton of flash burns. Um, distinct features of flash burns are marked redness of affected skin areas appear immediately. So if you were walking down the street and there's a, and you get a flash burn and I had on a t-shirt in jeans, everything else is covered up except my forearms, my face and my neck. Immediately my forearms that are looking at the explosion, face and neck are very red. The back of my arms is not. The back of my neck is not. Whatever is facing the explosion gets the flash burn. Nothing else. So it's not like right. it, it's not like a fire where you catch. Um, and when seen 50 days after the exposure, the most noted characteristic was that these burns had a sharp limitation to expose skin facing explosion. So like I was saying, so if a guy was walking and swinging his arms mm-hmm. and th- this atomic bomb exploded on his right, his right arm on the outside would be burned and his left arm on, on the, the inside. inside would be burned. It was like you that could might... see exactly what you know was what facing he was the facing explosion yep. and what was not covered. If it was covered, it was fine. It's bizarre. Um, yeah, left inner arm. So any type of shielding, for the most part, protected the skin from flash burns. Although people very, very close to the explosion obviously had it worse and they were flash burned through multiple layers of clothes. In those cases, you would find burns through black clothing, but not through white on the same person. So if you had white on, it didn't flash burn through that. But if you had black black on, it flash burned through that. It's like so bizarre how these work. Um, And they also said that like, um, they could flash burn through tighter clothing. So if you had a shirt on, your shoulders and like your elbows would flash burn because you know how like mm-hmm. your cloth mm-hmm. is tighter mm-hmm. on your shoulder and your elbow or on the knees of your pants or something. Those would flash burn, but nothing else would flash burn. Um, so weird. Yeah. Incidents of burns on patients living uh, on patients living more than a few hours were as high as 95%. So people who were still alive a few hours after the bombs went off, 95% of them had burns. Um, the Japanese estimate that 75% of deaths were due to burns. The incidence of burns was in direct relation to the person's distance from X. Everything is in direct relation from the person's it, it distance. It makes sense. Right, obviously. Um, people with flash burns from Hiroshima were all less than 7,500 feet from X. Okay. At Nagasaki, people with burns were observed to be out as far as 13,800 feet. That's over, over two, two miles. Yeah, it's over two miles. Yep. And you're still getting a burn from that. Yes. Over two miles. Um, so the burns were not good. And everyone had them. You were two miles out, you had burns. I mean, have you seen pictures? Like, their eyes were burnt. Yeah. Like, they had that milky look because they're blind from yeah. it, from the flash. Or their skin was just hanging off of them because they were so severely burnt. It was disgusting. Yeah. They just and it was came like off. It was kids and shit. It was disgusting. Yeah. Um, and then we have radiation injuries. This gets 
a little hairy. Well, that's why, like, I was going to go into how the bomb actually works. It's so into protons, neutrons. Yeah. I, I was like, they're going to fall asleep. I didn't go into, like, the gamma rays. Of yeah. the I can't. It's, it's radiation. Dry. It's terrible. It's yeah. the same thing. It happens at Chernobyl. It's the same thing. Any nuclear meltdown. You should come at Chernobyl. Yeah. Anything like that. It's all the same. You get radiation sickness, acute radiation mm-hmm. syndrome. It's terrible. It's awful. You die. It's painful. But we'll go into it. So, but I'm not <laughs> here. It is. But I'm not going into the science of it. It's too much. Um, radiation injuries were mostly experienced within the first second after the explosion. The first second. So you don't even know what the fuck happened, and you've got radiation exposure. You yes, they were immediately had radiation illness from this. A few may have happened slightly after, but all radiation injuries from Hiroshima and Nagasaki occurred in the first minute of the bomb being dropped. Wow. The most severe radiation injuries will follow a path like this. I'm going to give you a generalized path. I want my like, generalized path. Most severe, you're you're right out of the epicenter. You're still alive, but you're... Somehow I've made it out. You've made it out. the bomb. Day one, nausea and vomiting. After one to two hours after the bomb went off, mm-hmm. you're throwing up, you're sick to your stomach. Um, Days two and four, you're better. You don't have nausea and vomiting. You're walking around. You know, probably resting because you just went through a huge atomic <laughs> bomb. you just had a nuclear explosion. bomb explode in your house. But you feel better. You rebound. Day five. Diarrhea. Most severe forms, your diarrhea is blood. Oh, good. Um, six. Day six. You're back to vomiting again. Yeah. Day I'm seven. losing weight. Yeah. Day seven, you have inflammation of the mouth and throat. Ew. Mm-hmm. Day eight, you're getting a fever. Day nine, rapid emaciation. So you are just, you're just done. literally falling off you day nine. Day 10, death. Mortality, 100%. So these people all did it in a second. With with this, not all these, the most severe radiation injuries, illnesses. Yeah. Mortality is 100%. So the closer you are to the yeah. bombing, you're getting radiation illness and you're dying. Dead within a week. And there is nothing you can do to stop it. There is nothing you can really give for radiation illness. Now we can do some things back then. It was all supportive care. And mm-hmm. I'll go over that. Um, for a moder- moderately severe case of radiation illness. Day one, you have nausea and vomiting. Feel You feel better, though, after day one until around day 11. Then you have epilation. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Which is the loss of hair, which I will go over. That starts on day, about day 11. Almost like you had chemo. Yeah. Day 18, general malaise, no appetite. No, you just that malaise like word again. Yeah. Day 20, get a fever. Day 21, severe inflammation of the mouth and throat. Um, day 27, have some pallor. You're not looking so hot. Day 28, petechiae, diarrhea, nose bleeding. You're just bleeding out of orifices now. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. And around, um, day 28, you have rapid emaciation and the mortality for a moderately severe case is 50%. Oof. So what happens if you live? I'm going to. Okay. I'll go. I'm just going to show up and stop asking questions. It's my inquisitive. I know. Um, the mild, a mild case, you're fine. Like you think, oh, I'd lived through that. I'm fine. Mm. Until day 19. And then you have, um, the, <laughs> Until ap- day 19. I don't know if you and say appellation. Ap- I think that's how you say it. E-P-I-L-A-T-I-O-N. Appellation. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The lady, remember from the eighties? The lady. No, oh, I remember Missy talking yeah. about that. Yeah. I thought she knew she was right. getting a divorce. That was yeah. her Christmas gift. Yeah. Um, so day 19, that appellation, you're losing your hair. Day 20, you have a loss of appetite. Day 22, um, you have a sore throat. 
Day 23, Pala. Day 24, <laughs> Petechiae. Day 25, Diarrhea. And day 26, moderate emaciation. I was going to say weight loss is coming. Yeah. So then you're getting the, the weight loss. So I'm going to go through some of these symptoms that I talked about just because people not, might know what they mean. Epilation is the loss of hair. Like I said, it's it was almost always just the scalp. Like if you had, if you were Mike and you had hair on your chest, you weren't losing that. It was just the scalp hair. Um, and it usually involved just the crown of your head, not the sides. Oh, so you had the St. Anthony going you on. You had the St. Anthony. Um, in the extreme cases, the hair was totally lost. In some cases, hair had started regrowing back after 50 days after oh. the bomb. But some in some Never cases, completely back. gone. But it was literally, I think that's so weird. It was like just the crown, the side of your yeah. head stayed on. Um, and then petechiae and other hemorrhagic problems were a very concerning um, symptom. It meant your bleeding times were slower. Mm-hmm. Your coags were off and your platelets were really low because mm-hmm. you're just bleeding from everywhere now. So something's happened to your blood. Um, bleeding began usually in the gums. And if it was a severe case, bleeding was from every source possible. You bled out of like everything. DIC almost. Yeah, you were in DIC. Um, petechiae were often seen. Petechiae, those little dots. Like you, like you if get, you strangle somebody, yeah. they'll say, oh, there was petechiae. If you vomit really hard, you, you get, get little those little red, dots little on red your blood cheeks. vessels. Your capillaries burst. Yeah, it's just like little capillaries bleeding. Um, they, they were often seen on limbs and pressure points. Large, huge bruises appeared around like needle insertion mm-hmm. sites. If they drew your blood or they were giving you something, you would get a huge um, bruises. And wounds that had been healing would reopen and bleed. Oh. Like, so That's all rough. your healing stopped and you were just mm-hmm. bleeding out of everything. Lesions of the gums and oral mucous membranes and throat were seen. Mm-hmm. So you got lesions all in your mouth and your throat, your tongue. They became like wicked deep red in color. And then they would usually turn into ulcerations and necrosis. Because you couldn't heal. Because you're not healing anything right. in your body. Um, blood tests show, showed low white blood cell counts. In extreme cases, the white blood cell count was under 1,000. The normal is 7,000. Mm-hmm. Um, the low white blood cell counts allowed for infections of these ulcerations that you were getting all over the place. So now all these open sores are all infected because mm-hmm. your body can't fight anything off. And... Um, other ulcerations were found in larynx, your larynx, which is in your throat, bowels, female genitalia, for whatever reason, not male genitalia. Um, so these people are just getting sores all in the everywhere inside. and bleeding out of them because they're not mm-hmm. clotting. And then they're getting infected because they have yeah. little white blood cell because the radiation has done something to your bone marrow, which is changing it's like your blood. Almost. Yeah. Um, lesions of the eye. I think this is what you're Ooh. talking about with the eyes. Lesions of the eye and the re- and retinal hemorrhage were um and exudate were seen in 75% of the patients showing other signs of radiation injuries so their eyes were hemorrhaging the retinas were hemorrhaging and then they had exudate coming yeah. from their eyes so i think that's those milky white eyes yeah, you're talking about terrible. that's a radiation injury um it's awful deaths from radiation started about a week after the bombing peaked at 3 to 4 weeks mm-hmm. makes sense yep and then stopped after 7 to 8 weeks Wow. So if you lived through seven and eight weeks, you were going to live. Um, the treatment for radiation injuries, especially then, even now, is supportive measures. Like there's nothing to cure it. Um, rest, um, high vitamin and caloric diets to try to keep some of this weight on. You're shitting yourself and you're vomiting mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, blood transfusions because everything's low. Um, the Japanese 
did after a little bit start giving sulfonamides, which fight is a sulfa drug. And mm-hmm. then when the American physicians got there, they started giving penicillin, which did help. And it did save a lot of people because yeah, of all these raging only infections. only came out in World War Two. Yeah. In these people, but they couldn't fight off these infections. So they did help. That did help save a lot of people. Um, high doses of radiation cause DNA damage. Somatic mutations cannot be passed down from parent to offspring. So these changes, like if I were there. It wouldn't go to your kids. It would not go to my kids. It would change the stuff in me, but it would not change from, it would not pass on to my kids. Um, irreversible stem cell damage in bone marrow is the first life-threatening effect of radiation exposure. We can now do stem cell transplants if someone's exposed and has. Yeah. Bone marrow failure, they couldn't do that then. So you were fucked. Fucked. Your bone marrow is radiated. Everything's changed. Right. Your stem cells are dead or changed or whatever. You are screwed. Um, because the radiation alters DNA and causes cell mutation, it causes cancer as well because cancer is a mutation of a cell. Um, the most deadly being leukemia. Increase in leukemia appeared two years after bom- the bombings and peaked about four to six years later. Children were affected the most. Of course. Um, and the risk of leukemia for bomb survivors was 46%. Wow. That is huge. That is huge. Half the people that survived that are going to get leukemia. leukemia. Yeah. That's insane. Um, for all other cancers, incidence d- did not increase until 10 years after the bombing. So, like, they call it solid cancers because leukemia is a cancer of your blood. Right. So, solid like lung cancers. Or so, hard. Right. Or... Lung, heart, whatever. Prostate, whatever. Um, they didn't see an increase in those until 10 years after the bombing. Wow. Yeah. And solid cancer rates were much lower than re- leukemia rates at 10.7%. Okay. So the rate of you, the increase in the rate of you getting it is still, I mean, you're still a, a 10% chance of high. getting them, which is high, but, but it's, it's not 46 Yeah. Um, children who were in utero, so Ooh. babies that were in their mother's uterus at the time of the bombings um, were born with smaller head sizes an increase in mental disability and impaired physical growth because they were exposed, right? Yeah. Like it's not yeah. like you weren't pre- you were pregnant. This baby was still right. there. They were exposed. Um, but they had a lower increase in cancer rates than the children who were already born at the time of the bombing. So those babies in utero didn't even, risk. it was at less risk for cancer. Um, no radiation related disease has been seen in the future children of survivors. Well, that's good. Yeah. So that, like I said, it, it changes the, you inside but it does not pass Change on your to your kids. children oh thank god thank god um which i didn't i think i thought they were all at risk um so the problem was all these people are burned mm-hmm. have these terrible crush injuries the towns are decimated 90 percent of hiroshima's doctors and nurses were killed or injured <gasps> by the bomb oh you're just giving me goosebumps percent 90 percent While the blast left 42 out of 45 of the city's civilian hospitals and two large army hospitals non-functional. So you had three out of 45 hospitals that were functional. And and you had thousands of people that need it. 90% of the doctors and nurses were killed. Shit. Um, It's, it was nearly impossible for all the injured people to get aid. Because everybody was going to help. He was dead. Right? Like, I mean, people were trying, but in the, the hospitals are decimated that you can't get bandages. You nothing. can't get medicine. You can't get anything. IVs, nothing. Cause it's all ruined. Can you imagine the poor 5% that lived? Yep. <laughs> they, well, they, they said like these people had severe burns. They had severe, they couldn't get any relief. None. 
They had like nothing to do for them. Oh my God. Um, before the attack on Hiroshima had about 200 doctors. Afterwards, there was about 30 doctors left. Oh my God. Yep. Um, so they, that were able to right. perform. Um, furthermore, more than 1,600 nurses out of the nearly 1,800 were killed. So 200 lived. 200 lived. Yep. And then all the medical supply, everything, everything. was gone. Um, or contaminated, burned, or whatever, you yeah, know? Yeah, they were larger hospitals. They were reinforced with concrete. They were located about 5,000 feet from the blast center. Which is over a mile. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interior suffered severe damage. And around 90% of the people in the hospital died. Even though the wow. building was left standing, everything in it, and it was, was dead, ruined. gone. Um, it, a lot of them were killed because of the plaster, fires, right. glass, right. whatever. Um, several medical centers that were located more than 7,000 feet, so you're talking about a mile and a half from ground zero, remain standing, but they were so badly damaged, you could not use them. Um, and so this just all exacerbated. Everything worse. Everything was worse. All the injury, you couldn't give them anything. You couldn't treat anybody. If, if the hospitals were still standing, if the doctors and nurses were still alive, yep. more people might have survived. Um, one person that was there, this is a quote from them, um, Iodine is applied to the wounds, but they are left uncleansed. So people just pouring betadine on the wounds because that's all they could do because right. there's nothing. Right. Um, neither ointment nor therapeutic agents were available. Those that have been brought in are laid on the floor and no one can give them any further care. Mm. What could one do when all means are lacking? Among the passerby, there are many who are uninjured, he wrote. It's... In the official, then he wrote, in the official aid stations and hospitals, a good third or half of those that had been brought in died. Everything was lacking. Doctors, assistants, dressings, drugs, etc. Oh. There was nobody to help these people until people could come in from the outside mm-hmm. to help them. Um, so it's just. So does it get into who did come in and help them? I mean, people from surrounding cities did. The Americans came in. I mean, other people came in, but. It doesn't specifically. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Japan's islands too. But so. it took a while for yeah. people to get there. That's my point. Like, they're islands. It's not like people are driving in from Connecticut to come help out. They're right. on an island right. and your island's just been decimated. Yeah. And... It's other towns are coming, yeah. but I, a lot of people were also afraid because the, the radiation, radiation, which was fine apparently, but you don't know that. Right. I would think. I would what think they didn't know would have been astounding, you know, because right. it's the first time, and fortunately so far, the last time it's ever oh, been really? used. Yeah. So then. I'm not going to say any of these names, right? And I feel terrible. But the people who did survive, who had the burns and had radiation injuries, people were afraid of them. They were afraid it was contagious. They were people? Didn't. No. Yeah. Yes. They had a name for them. It was, I'm not going to say this right. I'm very sorry. Habakashu? Habakashua. It's H-I-B-A-K-U-S-H-A. Habakashua. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. They were discriminated against in their own society. Um, they were denied entrance to public bathrooms. Oh. They were denied jobs. Marriages. Like people, like if you had been in love, you know, if Brian had been in love with you before the bombing and he wanted to marry you, the father would be like, no, you can't marry her. You have all this. Your kids will be, have problems. They wouldn't. They were like wow. shunned. Um, children like with visible injuries were like made fun of it was terrible a lot of rumors were circulated that these people carried serious diseases if two survivors got married your kids are going to be disabled so they wouldn't let two survivors get married um 
a lot of them, if they could, tried to hide the fact that they were survivors. So, if, like, you know, it wasn't like mm-hmm. if you could cover it up with clothes, they would. Um, one man recalled wearing long sleeve shirts year round. He said, I didn't want people to see my scars. I didn't want them to gawk at me with weird expressions on their faces. Um, in most of the conditions that these people suffered from weren't covered under Japanese health care laws. Um, so then they wouldn't be because it had never happened before. Right. And then they were like, well, we can't, we're not going to pay for that because, because that's not from anything we do. Like it it was bizarre. And then they did pass a 1957 atomic bomb victims medical care law, which provided some benefits, but you had a years later, you were so close to the location. How did they do that? Exactly. You were so close to that location. So it was like, oh, it was so hard to get them that a lot of these people didn't ever get any any help with their bills and everything. Um, There was more than a million Hibakashua at the end of the war. And it's very hard for these people to get any help because they couldn't understand the law. They couldn't understand, like, what they had to do. And how the hell do you prove that's where you were standing? Everything you had was gone. How would you even charge them? I I mean, the Coconut Grove, nobody was charged. Right. Nobody was charged. I I don't know. So then I have these stories of nine eyewitness accounts of the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Again, I'm going to butcher these poor people's names, and I really do feel terrible. Um, Like I said, they faced discrimination. They didn't want to go out. They couldn't go to some places. It it was really, really terrible that these people suffered like this and then had to suffer through the rest of their lives. Um, But now people have started speaking out as years and years went by. Like, wait a minute, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, like something terrible happened to me, and I shouldn't be discriminated against. So this person is, I'm not going to say any of these names, right? Teiko Terame. Um, He didn't realize the full extent, she didn't realize the full extent of her injuries until her younger brothers started making fun of her appearance. She's confused. She's 15 years old. No idea why my brothers are making fun of how I look. She asked her parents for a mirror. So they must have hidden all the mirrors. They denied the request for a mirror. So she tracks one's she mm. finds one one day. She was so. She said, I was so surprised. I, fi- I found my left eye looked just like a pomegranate. And I also found cuts on my right eye and on my nose and on my lower jaw. It was horrible. I was very shocked to find myself looking like a monster. On the day of the bombing, this woman was one of thousands of students that were mobilized to help um, fill the Hiroshima's wartime labor shortages. So they would take kids to go work because people are, up, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they did here, women and everybody worked. So she was assigned to the city's telephone bureau. She was on the building's second floor when she heard a quote-unquote tremendous noise. I can't even fathom that noise. I, I can't even imagine looking no. out the window and seeing a fucking mushroom cloud in no. my parking lot. Um, the walls collapsed. They were in complete darkness. She said, I began to choke on that conse- consequent smoke. Poisonous gas, it seems like. And vomited uncontrollably. So she and obviously radiation. has radiation illness. Um, then she, like all these people screaming, obviously, and she hears one voice call out. We, and it said, we must endure this like the proud scholars that we are. It was her homeroom teacher who was like not much older than the kids. You know, these people are all young. The children are like, like, yep, that's what we need to do. You're right. We have to keep going. So they all calm down because she's talking to her. God. So they managed to escape by jumping out a second story window. She climbed down a telephone pole. She tries to cross the 
Kiyobashi River to safety. Like, she's like, I gotta get across this river. She finds its only bridge is in flames in the city she's left behind, engulfed in a sea of fire. So everything's just on fire. Could you even imagine seeing that? Yep. So her homeroom teacher, again, finds her and takes her across and they swim across this river to get away from the epicenter. And the, the teacher's offering encouragement through the whole journey, like really getting her across this river. She drops Terame off at an evacuation center and the young teacher returns to Hiroshima to help her other students. And she died of her injuries on August 30th. The teacher. Oh, that's terrible. Um, She says, the teacher saved my life, yet I was not able to tell her a simple thank you. I deeply regret this to this day. So she lived. She obviously had radiation injuries. She obviously had injuries. Other injuries. And her brother's I saw a picture on that page. What does she look like now? Um, she looked like I mean, her, is her eyes still messed one, up? No, one eye is, like, it's probably the one that looked like a pomegranate. Yeah. She said, it's, like, lower. You can tell, like... Yeah, and smaller, but, but it, I mean, fine. she looks. You wouldn't know. No, you wouldn't know. Um, and then there's Sachiko Matsuo. Again, I am very sorry. Um, so a little before the bombing of Nagasaki, when Sachiko was 11 year old, his father found a leaflet dropped by American pilots, and it warned the residents of imminent attack. They dropped. So I didn't know they flyers. Them. Saying, well, they didn't warn them what was coming, really. They just no, said they, you're going to... No, imminent attack. So they have... I mean, like you said, there was air raids all over the place. Not these towns, but there was mm. air raids. So they're, they're dropping flyers. There's an attack coming. Um, so Sachiko's father was... Okay, this is bad. He constructs a, like a little makeshift cabin high up in the mountain overlooking Nagasaki. Um, in the days right before the scheduled bombing... He makes, like, his extended family, like, come on, you have to come up here. Like, mm-hmm. we have to be safe. Something's going to happen. And they do. On August 8th, the supposed day of the attack, nothing happens. Oh, no, 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 So no, his no, mother no, no. and aunt tell him, I want to go back home. No. Nothing happened. I want to go back home. The father um, was like, but the United States time zone is one day behind us. So tomorrow well, really August fucking 8th. smart. Yeah. He's like, no, it's not. That's probably what it is. They're thinking it's tomorrow. Yeah. They didn't want to listen. <gasps> um, he got very upset, stormed out, went to work. Um, and then I think because he was so upset, they decided, you know what? Fine. We'll stay here one more day. Because okay. he got so upset about yeah. this. The extended family stayed for one more day. The bomb struck hours later. All those hit in the cabin survived the initial impact, albeit they had severe burns, they had lacerations, but they survived the initial impact. After a little bit, they're like, oh, I wonder what a house is like down in Nagasaki. Um, So this boy walked to a place from where I'd be able to see the house, but there was nothing like a big cloud covering the whole city. And the cloud was growing and climbing up towards us. I could see nothing below. My grandmother started to cry. Everybody is dead. This is the end of the world. His father, who had been stationed outside of an arms factory because he was in the civil defense Mm -hmm. unit, returned to the cabin that afternoon. So he was down there at this arms thing. He comes up. He had several injuries, wounds to the head, hands, legs. He required a cane to walk. Um, His other son, his eldest son, who had also been in the civil defense unit, died in the blast. Um, they found his corpse on a rooftop. Like, oh, it just flung him. Yeah. Um, and by the time they could return to get it, it was gone. But they're lucky they found him at yeah, all. Yeah, so they knew he did yeah. die. Um, 
In the weeks after the bombing, this boy's father began suffering from the effects of radiation. He soon came down with diarrhea and a high fever. His hair began to fall out and dark spots formed on his skin. So he had the appellation Mm -hmm. and then the petechiae. Um, And she said, my father passed away suffering greatly on August 28th. So 20 days later. Yeah, 20 days later. And he's the one that saved Get to the cabin, like stay in the cabin. And he he went went to work. work. Yep. Um, Norimitsu Tosu is another person. Um, Norimitsu's mother took him and his twin brother on a walk around the Hiroshima neighborhood every day. On August 6th, no different. The three of them had just returned from their daily walk and the three-year-olds were in the bathroom washing their hands. And then the walls collapsed, trapping the brothers under a pile of debris just in their bathroom. Um, their mother, who had lost consciousness, but she woke to the sound of them screaming, um, pulled them from the rubble and brought them to a relative's house. Five of Tatsu's seven immediate family members survived the bombing. His father, who had been temporarily jan- jailed over an accusation of bribery, <laughs> was shielded by the prison's strong walls. Um, but two siblings, an older brother and a sister, died. Aww. The family was only able to learn of um, the brother's fate. We didn't know what happened to the sister. And we never located her body. Nothing. We didn't even know where exactly she was when the bomb exploded. So they knew that the brother, you know, died. They must have found the body. They never knew what happened. She was one of them missing. Um, He doesn't remember much because he was only three. Um, But one memory stands out. He says, when we were evacuating, there were dead horses, dogs, animals, and people everywhere. And the smells I remember. Oh. There was this terrible smell. It smelled like canned salmon. So for a long time after that, I couldn't eat canned salmon because the smell reminded me of that. It was sickening. So more than anything I saw or heard, it was the smell that I remember the most. Don't even think about the smell. No, I can't the even. burning flesh. No, I can't even. Rotting that. Co- oh, Mm-mm. in August. Mm. Um, then there's Yoshiro Yamawaki. Um, so he's in Nagasaki. The, the atomic bomb drops. He's 11. The next day, he goes out looking for his father because his father hadn't come home. Um, he worked at the local Pablo station. So, you know, that's probably gone in the blast. Mm-hmm. Um, on the way, him and two of his brothers saw, like, awful things that 11-year-old children should never see, including corpses whose skin would come peeling off just like that of an overripe peach, exposing the white fat underneath. Um, a young woman whose intestines dragged behind her in what the trio at first thought was a long white cloth belt. And How a six, is she alive? I don't know. That's what I was talking about with the blast yeah. injury. Um, and a six or seven year old boy whose parasitic roundworms had come shooting out of his mouth post-mortem. So he had the worms first. Right. He, I think that was because like in the fish and stuff, oh, I think right. people get. So but the they like, like the worms. Out. Yeah. This is what these little kids are seeing. Um, the boy soon arrived at the power station which was near the bomb's um, hypocenter and had been reduced to little more than a pile of scorched metal. They see three guys with shovels. And they're like, where's our father? This is his name. And one of the men pointed towards like one of the buildings that was collapsed and said, your father's over there. They're all excited. My father's oh, over there. Dude. And they fa- see the father's dead Boy. body. It was swollen and scorched, just like all the others. Then they, after talking to these older guys, after they find this body, they realize they either have to cremate his remains to bring home to their mother or bury his body on site because they're not going to leave him laying there. Yeah. These little boys. Um, so they didn't know what to do. So they gathered up 
pieces of wood that were already on yeah, fire, yeah, yeah. built like a little funeral pyre, pyre and tried to 11 years it. old. Yeah. Um, the men that were there told them, why don't you come back tomorrow for his ashes? Like, let him mm-hmm. don't watch this. And so they're like, yeah, they were so upset. They go home. They come back the next morning and ha- found their father's half cremated body abandoned and coated in ash. So half of them burned. And then they had to find the rest of the half of his body there. Um, he says, my brother looked at our father's body for a while longer and then said, we can't do anything more. We'll just take his skull home and that oh will be God. the end. Um, when the young boy went to retrieve the skull with a pair of tongs brought from home, they crumbled apart like a plaster mo- model and half burned brains came flowing out. How these children aren't scarred for life? Survive this. And- because the Japanese culture is something. I get, I- they are hot. Like, think of the tsunami. Within a day, they fucking got their shit together, lined up in an orderly fashion, got to the food kit. Like, they are the most hardcore people I've ever come across. He said, letting out a scream, my brother threw down the tongs and darted away. The two of us ran after him. These were the circumstances under which we forsook our father's body. He feels guilty that That they left the body like that. that. Um, Aside from the traumatic experience of having to cremate your own father, this is what the photographer who was doing this picture said, I was awestruck by Mr. Yamawaki and his brother's persistence at a young age, no less, to send their father off with quietude and dignity under such devastating circumstances. These were little boys trying to do this. Um, and then there's, oh my God, Kiku Shioda. <laughs> um, Kiku said, August 6th was an unimaginably beautiful day, punctuated by a blinding light that flashes if a thousand magnesium bulbs had been turned on all at once. Um, the blast trapped the 20-year-old Shioda and her 16-year-old sister beneath the remains of their raised house more than a mile from the bomb's hypocenter. Um, after Shioda's father came and rescued the daughters from the rubble, they set out to look for the remaining family members. Burned bodies were scattered everywhere, making it impossible to walk without stepping on someone. The sister saw a newborn baby still attached to its mother's dead mother's umbilical cord lying on the side of the road. This is what these kids are seeing. I, I just, could have skipped that part. As the pair walked the streets of Hiroshima, their 10-year-old brother um, was doing another search. When Shiota finally spotted him standing among a crowd of people, she was horrified. All the skin on his face was peeling off and dangling. He was limping feebly. All the skin from his legs burned and dragging behind him like heaps of rags. Oh. The young boy survived his injuries. His 14-year-old sister did not. Um, the family never recovered the 14-year-old's body. Um, but they were faced, they were forced to face the worst after finding a scrap of her uniform burned into the asphalt. And she said, I thought my heart would surely stop because that very cloth I found was my sister Mitsu, my little sister. Mishan, that must be my sister. I called out to her. It must have been terribly hot. The pain must have been unbearable. I would have You must have just, screamed for help. I would have think she didn't even know what happened. I know. My tears falling. I searched my sister in vain. Um, one month after the bombing, they lost another person, Shioda's mother, who appeared up into good health until the day before she died, died of acute leukemia caused by the blast radioactive rays. Um, and she was cremated on a pit dug by a neighbor. Cause there that's where that's we were at. Did. There's Akiko Takakura. Takakura was 19 year 19 years old when the bomb fell. It was, it detonated like really close to where she worked. She lost consciousness after seeing a white magnesium flash. 
but later she woke to the sound of a friend crying for her mother. Um, they escaped the building, which had been partially shielded. They it partially shielded the people inside from like the flash burn or anything because it had reinforced concrete walls. Um, they got out onto the street where they encountered a quote unquote whirlpool of fire that burned everything in touch. Um, it was just like a living hell. Takakura recalled. After a while, it began to rain. The fire and the smoke made us so thirsty, and there was nothing to drink. People opened their mouths and turned their faces oh, towards the no. sky to try to drink the rain. But it wasn't easy to catch the raindrops in our mouths. It was a black rain with big drops. They were drinking. The chemicals. The, yeah. The radiate, the fallout. Yeah. Um, the fire eventually died down, and they could try to make them, try to get home. Um, they said the streets were littered with reddish brown corpses of those who, who were killed instantly. Um, they, re- they reached the nearby like thing in the ground. They stayed there for the night with a sheet of corrugated tin for warmth. Um, on August 10th, her mother took her daughter who had sustained more than 100 lacerations all over her body home to begin the lengthy recovery process. Um, and her friend that she was with died less than a month later from her oh. injuries. And there's Hiroyasu Tagawa. Um, in the spring of 1945, there was government-mandated evacuations. So the 12-year-old Tagawa and her sister moved in with their aunt, who lived a very short distance from Nagasaki, while her parents relocated to a neighborhood close to their workplace. On the morning of August 9th, Tagawa heard that he... What he thought might be a B-29 bomber flying overhead. Because, again, they used to like the sounds of these planes. Because they're getting bombed. Yep. He rushes outside to look. Suddenly, everything turned orange, he said. I quickly covered my eyes and ears and laid down on the ground. This was the position we practiced daily at school for times like this. Soon, dust and debris and pieces of glass were flying everywhere. After that, silence. All those that were living at the aunt's house survived with minor injuries. But after three days passed, there was no news of his parents. So they decided to go to the city center and search for them. They found piles of corpses and people similarly looking for missing family members. Using long bamboo sticks, they were turning over one corpse after the other as they floated down the river. Oh. There was an eerie silence and an overwhelming stench. That's terrible. Yeah. His mother found him first. His mother's alive. Oh, thank God. Um, calling out his name as he walked down the street. She and her husband had been staying at a shelter. Um... But they were too badly injured to make the walk all the way back to the aunts. The father was in very bad shape. Um, he was a factory worker and he'd been handling dangerous chemicals when the bomb struck. So not only did the <laughs> bomb strike, yeah, the dangerous. Yeah. Its impact sent the toxic materials flying, severely burning his feet. So he mm. must have spilled them all over his feet. Um, so this kid gets like neighbors to help him bring his father to a temporary hospital where the doctors had a foot had to amputate his feet with a carpenter saw because they have no supplies. His father died three days later. Um, and the, this poor kid says, I wondered if I had done wrong by taking him over there. Had I not brought him to save to have the surgery, maybe he would have lived for a longer time. Those regrets felt like thorns in my heart. Like, that's the only thing you can do. He was going to die. You know, he was going to die no thing, matter what. You think, these are kids. Yeah, his feet would have gotten infected. Yeah. Um, and then shortly after his, he returned to his aunt's house, town to deliver the news of his father's death, he received word that his mother, 
who suffered from radiation poisoning, was now in critical condition. Um, he biked all the way back to her bedside to say goodbye to her. My aunt said, your mother almost died last night, but she wanted to see you one last time. So she gave it her best to live one more day. My mother looked at me and whispered, Hiro-chan, my dear child, grow up fast, okay? With these words, she drew her last breath. He grew up the day that bomb was yes. dropped. And then there's Shosho Kawamoto. Shosho was 11, and he was one of the 2,000 children evacuated from the city center ahead of the bombing. Um, he'd been working in a field north of the city with other little young kids, and he noticed a white cloud rising in the sky. Um, caretakers told the group of 6 to 11-year-olds that the city center, where all their families lived, had been obliterated. Holy shit. Which they probably thought, I mean, uh. they mostly had. Um, three days later, his 16-year-old sister arrived to pick him up. Um, and then she told him that their mother and younger siblings had died at home embracing one another. The father and an older sister were missing. Um, they never learned exactly what happened to them. Never. Never saw. So never it's saw just him and yet. his sister that are yep. alive. Um, they moved into a ruined train station, this little boy and his 16-year-old sister, because they had nowhere to go, um, where they witnessed the plight of other orphaned children. We did not have enough food to survive. We were in a constant tug of war over food, sometimes only one dumpling. In the end, the strong survived and the weak died mm. one after another. Most orphans died within months. Oh. Um, Toki died of an undiagnosed illness, likely leukemia, in February of 1946. The sister. Um, following the sister's, when she died, a soy sauce factory owner took this kid in, fed him, sheltered him in exchange for 12 years of work. So he was an indentured servant. He had a, he fed and yeah. had a house for labor. At the end of this period, the man gave his son a house. So he wasn't like, a, yeah. he wasn't, he was clothed and housed yeah. and fed. Yeah. He had to work. But after the 12 years, he gave him oh, his own house and everything. Nice. So that was nice. Um, and then I have. I think these are horrible this, stories. These though. are terrible stories. I think. I only have, this is the last one. <laughs> Tat. Oh, God. Tatsumo. Yamaguchi. I'm so sorry. I know I am. That sounds pretty good. Yamaguchi. Well, I think Yamaguchi. Yamaguchi, Because Christy, yeah. Um, To date, the Japanese government has recognized only one survivor of both Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. They survived both the bombings. Ooh. And it's this naval engineer. What fucking luck did this guy have? I can't. Tsutomu Yamaguchi. He died in 2010 at the age of 93. Oh, apparently um, he did he, fine. Yeah. He was a longtime Nagasaki resident. He had lived in Nagasaki for like ever. But he spent the summer of 1945 on a temporary assignment in Hiroshima. August 6th was set to be his last day of work before returning home to his wife and infant son. On that morning, he was 29. He's walking to the shipyard and saw a great flash in the sky. Um, Yamaguchi said a huge mushroom shaped pillar of fire rising up in high into the sky. It was like a tornado, although it didn't move, but it rose and spread out horizontally at the top. There was a prismatic light, which was changing in a complicated rhythm, like the patterns of a kaleidoscope. 
I read somewhere that they only had black and white pictures of it, but that survivors said it looked like a rainbow. Yeah, it's so, I mean, yeah, I guess, with all yeah. like the infrared and I don't know. Um, it ruptured his eardrums. It burned his face and forearms. After this happens, he reunites with two co-workers and the trio get their belongings from their dorm and start making their way to the train station. We saw our mother with a baby on her back. She looked as if she had lost her mind. The child on her back was dead, and I don't know, know if she even realized. Um, he lost track of his friends on the train because I'm sure it's insane. Yeah. They're going back to Nagasaki, though. He ended up sitting across from a young man who spent the journey clasping an awkwardly covered bundle on his lap. He asked what was in the package. The stranger responded, I married a month ago, but my wife died yesterday. I want to take her home to her parents. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was her head in the thing. It was her head. That's all that was left. Um, upon reaching Nagasaki, Yamaguchi visited a hospital to receive treatment for his burns. So there was a, because there was hospital still there because the bomb has mm-hmm. not been dropped there. He deems himself fit for work. <laughs> he returns to duty the next day. He's in the Told middle you, of, They're fucking hardcore. I'm tell, he's in the middle of telling the story of the bombing when another blinding flash of light fills the room. I thought the mushroom cloud had followed me from Hiroshima, is what he said. Like, he, he couldn't believe that yeah. this is happening to him. He's pretty much unhurt. Um, and when he rushes to check on his wife and his son at the house, he finds them. They are pretty much unhurt. Um, but over the next several days, he started suffering from the effects of radiation poisoning. His hair fell out. The wounds on his arms turned gangrenous. And be- he began vomiting incessantly. With time, though. He recovers and lives a normal life. Told me he's 93. He was, in fact, so healthy that he avoided speaking out about his experiences for fear of seeming unfair to people who were really sick. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine what it must have been like. It's like, shit. Yeah. An Another estimated one. 165 people survived both bombings. He is the only remains the only one to receive official recognition because it's probably like written that he was there mm. or something but they think 165 were both bombing. wow and this man was at both and lived to the age of 93 God in the horrors he saw at both I gotta say it gives me hope if God forbid we're ever bombed so that's the, all the injuries the medical that's an it's an insane story I'm glad it's... that they, she gave us that idea um, it's tragic and it's a part of history people need to know yeah and I don't know for different culture how it would be. The Japanese just pick fuck up their boot. I mean, the guy went back to work. He saw, survives an atomic bombing and goes back to work. Right. Gets on the train, goes to the doctor, and okay. says, I'm good, yeah. and goes back to work. I mean, they just, yeah. and, you know, they, as soon as they could, they started rebuilding. And yeah. look at Tokyo now. It's like, yeah. you would right. never know. Yeah. Um, and I, but I think a lot of it was, like, hidden. A lot of it was pushed under the rug. A lot of things weren't allowed to be spoken about from mm. the U.S. and Japan. And then these poor survivors. I mean, I don't know what would happen if they didn't do it. I mean, no, I, you right. know, and but also they did it to be like, look how fucking badass we are. Yeah. Look what we got. And I think and within months, Germany had it. Russia had it. Yeah. Like within months, the superpowers all had nuclear weapons. And it's been a fucking disaster since. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if we should have that kind of knowledge no, and power so. to do that. No. I mean, and, you know, my our sons are in the service. My son wants to be on a submarine. They're walking Armageddon. I mean, there's floating Armageddons. They run yeah. under the water. And somebody's like, yeah, well, if they hit us with a nuclear bomb, I'm like, yes. But the moment something nuclear is launched at us, these Armageddon submarines are going to annihilate whatever that country right. is. Nobody's going to be fucking left. Yeah, I think at what cost? 
God, I don't have it now, but there was a quote somewhere from, I think it was the president. Now I can't even remember. It was, but it said, I don't want to use the nuclear bomb because the next time a nuclear bomb is used will be the end of the world. Absolutely. Like, without Because everybody will start shooting them off and we're all going to be dead. And what what did we serve? Right. What was the point of it? Which is why nobody's ever done it. Right. Because they will. But there's some crazy people out there. I know. That want to get their hands on it. I know. So it's it's a little scary. It is scary. But these poor people suffered immensely. Well, on that note, I hope you enjoyed your summer. Yeah. It's great. School's right around the corner. Yeah. Um, We get some fun stuff coming up for the fall. I don't know what it is, but we're just making that up. So uh, keep the suggestions coming. As you can see, we do use them. Yes, please. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.